All right, it's time for your latest Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Farrell, Dookie Lang, the gang back together once again. And after uh, talking NFL draft, and we wrapped up the NBA season, of course, for the Miami Heat perspective a couple weeks ago, we turned our attention to the Miami Marlins, which is something we don't normally talk about much other than our season preview. And we do it because we know that most of our listeners, uh, all four of you, Mom, Dad, thanks so much, Clay, your parents, Dookie, your mom. Uh, but no, we, we know that the Marlins are always at the at, at the front of your mind, the, the top of your head, whatever you want to say. But this week, guys, there was an interesting thing that happened off the field. And look, on the field, the, I, I say this with, I think I say this pretty comfortably, to say that the worst team in baseball record-wise, even if you're listening to this later in the week, because right now they're about four games up for being the worst team in baseball as we tape. Uh, Derek Jeter. Fires Chip Bowers, who was his uh, president of baseball operate or president of business operations, excuse me, uh, off the field stuff. Came in with a lot of fanfare. Clay, uh, I know you had a chance to see him out at the ballpark a couple of times. Obviously, when Chip got hired with the resume of the Golden State Warriors, I don't want to make this a podcast about Chip Bowers and what he meant <laughs> and what this means moving forward. Yeah, I can, can we please? I can tell you what that would drop our listeners Ooh, from four to like two. Not even we might pick, pick up the Bowers family. Mrs. Bowers is listening. <laughs> No, but I think what it shows is it makes you wonder. This is the first big hire that Derek Cheater made from the business perspective just 14 months ago, and now he fires him. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to the franchise? Well, I, I, I mean, we, we could talk about what it meant if they were willing to tell us what it meant, but they didn't want to tell us. And, and uh, what it means to me is, I guess whatever he was supposed to be doing wasn't being done, right? Because that's all we can really infer. But, but Will, what, what my bigger problem with this whole thing was is much like with everything else that, that Derek Jeter has done since he's taken over as, as CEO, I don't know if I agree with this move mm-hmm. because I, I'm not going to pretend to know the business operations. Yeah, we were, we're not there day to day. We don't know what's going on. Yeah. We said from the beginning that the, the trades of Yelich and Stanton and Ozuna, as much as they hurt, they were part of what we thought was a good idea moving forward, the whole rebuild thing. Mm-hmm. But much like with those, how Derek Jeter handled the aftermath was poor. And in this case, once again, they call a news conference the next day where we presume it was called so Derek Jeter could answer questions about the Chip Bowers mm-hmm. firing. He did end up answering baseball questions. And look, we're never going to complain. Made himself available again, yes. which I credit Derek Jeter. But I want you to keep going. But here's what I told Dookie off air and I'll tell you now because we haven't talked about it and I want you to continue but with this thought with this premise there's no doubt that Derek Jeter has been more available than probably Mm -hmm. anyone in the regimes of the past and obviously the one we talk about this Jeffrey Loria regime because it was such a long stay for Loria Samson and everyone else Jeter has been at the forefront out there talking but Mm -hmm. just because you're available doesn't mean you're transparent so the whole theory of that this regime is being more transparent, I'm not so sure that they're being transparent, but I do credit them for being available. I just don't know if we're getting the information that we think we want to get. No, I agree with you, and and I'm glad you made that distinction. And, and what kind of got me was, look, if this was just a, a state of the Marlins thing, then that's fine. And, and Derek could have stood up there and said, look, this just happened to coincide with uh, the firing of Chip Bowers and letting him go. I'm really here to talk about the Marlins in this particular case. Don't really want to go into details because there are some things in the works, whatever it might have been. And, and we know that there have been the ballpark naming rights discussions going on. There have been the TV discussions going on. We know all of that. And 
Whether or not that had anything to do with that, but is whatever, it not going that's well? Their business. That's the thing. Did, did and this will we didn't get answers? Did Jim Powers get fired because that's not going well? And, and if that's it, then then fine. I don't know why it would be a problem to mention that. But if it's not, who cares? My problem, Will, was with so many other things. It happened again, where Derek Jeter stands up there and he makes everybody feel like I know better than all of you, and and it just doesn't come off well. And don't make it seem as though you're doing all of us a favor by talking about Chip Bauer's firing and then getting angry when people want to know the details of the actual firing. And Dookie would probably know this about as well as anyone because, we, look, we always like to speak the truth and give background. Dookie was a very big fan of Derek Jeter, the baseball player. Absolutely. And one thing you know about Derek Jeter, the baseball player, is that he mastered the art of saying a lot and not saying anything. He is saying a lot right now, and he's staying with the company line We've got a plan. We have good people. We're keep, but none of it is 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 relevant to what's really going on. We're not really getting answers. Okay, so explain this to me. Chip Bowers was fired because he didn't meet ownership expectations, and there was a lack of accountability and business strategy. What the hell does that mean? Well, if that means the, if that does mean anything, it means everyone's getting fired. The Marlins are terrible. Now, granted, we all knew on a baseball product they'd be terrible, but. They're really bad. No one's coming to the games. I can't imagine that their merchandise is selling, is, is flying off the shelves. They are a national punchline, and so is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter has been in columns all over the country for the wrong reasons. I don't want to sit here and be negative. I still have hope that this franchise and this regime is doing the right thing, but right now, you can't tell me there's anything positive to say, hey, it's going well. No one's doing their job well right now. I think... Like you said, Derek Jeter as a ball player. Okay, so now let's make the distinction. We made the distinction between being available and being transparent. Now let's make the distinction between a ball player and a CEO who is in charge of a baseball team that is taking public money to pay for their ballpark. As a ball player, if you go for four and we go into the clubhouse and we say, hey, why'd you go for four? And you say, well, you know, we take it day by day and, uh, you know, got to go for the team and say nothing. Like, stand there, quote-unquote, answer every question, but say literally nothing, you know, like Jeter did during his career or closer to home, maybe a Ryan Tannehill would do. He'd answer every question and give you nothing. Mm -hmm. That's fine as a ball player. You have no responsibility to be interesting, to be forthcoming. Well, you know, the reason that I'm in a slump is because, you know, my girlfriend left me and I'm really sad. Like, they don't have to tell you that, right? That's one thing. Okay, fine. But now you're a CEO. So... In terms of the firing of Chip Bowers, mm -hmm. Derek Jeter has every right as the CEO of the Miami Marlins to fire whoever is in his purview to fire. That's fine. But as observers of the team, and all of us are observers of the team, and as, Will, you've been observing this, te this team and this franchise for 20 years, you know that there are deep-seated issues that the Marlins mm -hmm. are trying to deal with. Okay, yeah. so Jeter came out last year, invites all of us to the ballpark, and makes a big dog and pony show about this Chip Bowers, and is flouting his resume how he was with the Golden State Warriors, who are the you know current champions, and he has this great background, and he has all these great business ideas. Okay, cool. So then, again, as observers, we ask ourselves, well, what is the business of the Miami Marlins? What 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 are they doing business-wise? Well, they've rebranded the ballpark, right? There have been ballpark changes. They've rebranded Arcolores. They now have new colors. They have new uniforms. Colors. Okay. What else are they doing? Well, their TV deal runs out when? 2020, is it? 
So this yeah. this is our last season or next season? Next season, yeah. next season is our last season. So they got to get a new TV deal. They've been talking since David Sampson was around about possibly getting naming rights on Marlins Park, which remains Marlins Park. Okay, so those are things that we know about. But then if you ask the Marlins, well, was Chip Hours responsible for those things? Oh, I don't you know. This is an internal matter. Well, people people want to know. And let me tell you the, the biggest threat, I think, of Derek Jeter taking this approach, okay? We're going to stop asking it at a certain point. That's what he doesn't understand because we're we're we're, we're at we're at a point right now in t- in 2019 where if the Marlins reach out to us and say, "Hey, Derek Jeter is available at the ballpark," he's still Derek Jeter and he's still got a little cachet to his name and he's still Mister Three Thousand and he's still Mister November and he's still the guy who dove in the stands. I can go on and on about his his baseball accomplishments forever. Probably my favorite baseball player of all time as a ball player. The problem is if he consistently gives. If he, if he, to quote Macbeth, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. If his lips are moving, but he's not saying anything, again well, and again and again. Here's an example. Then we're just not going to go because you're, if if you come to me in a year and Jeter's going to talk, and you're like, hey, Jeter's talking. I'm going to say to you, I'm going to say, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Oh yeah, you know, I'm not a patient well, guy, and and said, I have high there, standards. Here's what he said on attendance, and I'm going to try to play it first, see if you can hear it through the through the speaker. If you can't, I'll, I'll cut it off. I want to try to what he had to say about the poor attendance. All right, so there you heard it. He says, we are working hard to gain the trust of our fan base. This is where I think fans roll their eyes and the, mm-hmm. and the question of transparency becomes an issue. How can you tell me that you are working hard when you are off selling off all your pieces, then firing a guy you're bringing that's going to supposed to make everything more entertaining in the business model and all these things, not being truly transparent of anything, what these first few months, six months, eight months, year of Derek Jeter has done, is alienate the fan base more. You're going to have your small percentage of diehards, and God bless all of you, because you might be the only ones listening to this pod, that percentage that is going to believe that this regime is doing everything the right way, it will, it will pay off. But let's face it, guys, you know as well as I do, the majority of people in South Florida are to the point that they don't care about the Marlins and they don't buy what Derek Jeter is selling, and they're not going to the games for the simple reason of that. Not because we're trying to reestablish the, the trust of the fan base. This is not the way to do it. This is not the way to do it. And when Derek Jeter came in, the thinking was that Derek Jeter had this pristine image as a ball player. He was the face of Major League Baseball for an extended period of time. He won five championships with the New York Yankees. So the feeling was Jeter's image would rub off on the Marlins and not the Marlins image would would rub off on Jeter. But... What's happening is because of the business that he represents, you get a Deadspin article just totally panning. Mm. And, and that article was unprofessional, but just totally panning. Basically, it said Derek Jeter fired Derek Jeter's business hire. I, I mean, so there. I think there is some delight from people who covered him for so long and saw him as Mr. Perfect to see him not succeed at something. But the reality is that 
he just hasn't brought his cult of personality, his superstardom has not translated into butts in the seats at Marlins games or huge business deals that, that we see or that he's telling us about. And, and the thing is, we only know what they want to share with us. So if they share with us platitudes like, I'm not patient and we expect more when your team is nine and 24. Well, he also said, he also said that they're all surprised that they're this bad and they didn't expect to be this bad and that, that every player in, in front office person should be not happy. I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody. Knew that right. So, so when you, when you, when you throw out things that don't mean anything, it just sort of numbs people who are already numb. And, and I've heard Derek say this 500 times. Well, there's a complicated history down here in Miami. Okay, well, I'm glad you understand that. Uncomplicated. So, Make, so keep like it simple. And, and, I, and I believe this, and I believe this in my core. The truth is simple. Lies are complicated. So if the, if the firing of Chip Bowers was nothing other than he was doing a really bad job, tell, either tell us why he was doing a bad job or tell us straight up, I don't feel comfortable talking about it because I don't want to, you know, throw a guy under the bus. And and, and that would have done more for me than to give some sort of expert. Well, he certainly, he didn't meet ownership's expectations of performance models relative to the expectations on the business side. What the hell is it? Like, I just, I, I, I loathe that sort of false transparency. Well, and, 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 to, and that may be a personal thing, but like, if you're going to tell me something, tell me something. And if you, if you feel it's private and it's an in-house matter, I respect it more. If you say, you know what? I'm the CEO. I'm, I'm the decider. I decided to fire him because he wasn't doing the job. I can't tell you specifically why, because that would be inappropriate to his reputation. This guy has done well by our team. He did as well as he could, but it wasn't up to my standards. The end. Well, that, I would respect that more. But, but, to, to kind of bring all of this together, let's go back to the, the soundbite that, that Will played a second ago when you're asking for trust from fans, but then you give this convoluted response and, and what was very clearly a narrative that was being pushed of uh, just overall this and that. But I, I, you know what? Off the top of my head, I can't even tell you exactly what he said because it lost me, right? I guarantee you that most people listening don't want to hear the the big words. They just explain it to me to where it makes sense. And something, guys, that he said when he first showed up here, where he told all of us, look, I'm new to this. I'm going to make mistakes. But then this was his first big mistake. Right. But but I but well, he's made a lot of mistakes along the way, little smaller mistakes. But the problem is when you tell somebody going in, or in this case a fan base going in, that you're going to make mistakes, you can't just say you're going to make mistakes and then jump down everybody's throats when they question you about those mistakes. And and I think that goes to the whole lack of trust issue here where you come in wanting people to work with you, mm-hmm. wanting people to flow with you, but then admitting you essentially don't know 100% what you're doing, but then when people question, all right, what did you learn in this situation, you jump down their throats. Like, and I know what I'm doing. Right. And the last thing that somebody actually mentioned this to me earlier today, and I thought it was really interesting that uh, the the gentleman I was talking to had no idea that, that Derek Jeter grew up, not grew up, but as he grew up through the Yankees organization, basically idolized George Steinbrenner and, and wanted to be like George Steinbrenner. And he said, you know, to me, it, I, I think that Jeter wants to be like George Steinbrenner. And this is what this gentleman said. I said, yes, you're right. Here's the big difference. George Steinbrenner made plenty of mistakes along the way as the owner of the the New York Yankees. He also had a ton of money that he could throw at the problem to fix it. In this situation, we knew that this group buying the Marlins was cash poor. 
uh, the the amount of investors that had to get involved and Derek Jeter essentially taking a, a $5 million salary to do this job, it, they were going to have to cut corners certain places. When Derek Jeter makes a mistake, like it appears he did with the hiring of Chip Bowers, you can't just throw a whole lot of money at the situation to fix it by the way, like Steinbrenner did. They have to keep paying him, by the way. So there is a yeah. situation where they had to throw money. Chip Bowers didn't come for free, and he certainly didn't sign a one-year contract. By the way, our sponsor today of Air Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines, the Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Now, here's the thing, too, about the Marlins. From a baseball perspective, none of this should shock us. I know that people find the headline sexy. My, me, myself, I, I tweet factoids or, or, or stats of the Marlins that, that show how terrible they are. But I don't do it from a place of shock. I don't do it from a place of, wow, are we surprised they stink this bad. The hard part for fans, though, is this is rock bottom, guys. It doesn't get worse than this. I don't know how long the losing will last before there is winning. I don't know if the kind of winning that this regime and certainly the fans want will ever come, but I'm not sure it will ever be this bad. I look at this Marlins roster, there is little redeeming, any kind of redeeming qualities to this roster. There are, I, in my opinion, I know Marlins fans are excited about the uh, Jorge Alfaro is playing pretty well. I don't know how sustainable he's got a high strikeout rate. I don't know how much of a, of a true uh, future piece he is. Brian Anderson is solid. I mean, solid. That's all I could say. I don't, I can't treat. Brian Anderson, like he's Ronald Acuna or Soto or Vlad Jr. or or Jimenez out in Chicago with the White Sox. He's he's a nice player, but I can't get excited about him either. Most of the players, in particular on offense, that are going to be part of the Marlins' future are in the minors. And by the way, one of those that's in the minors is a guy who they gave a legitimate chance for a full season of games to be a major leaguer, and that's Lewis Brinson, and he hasn't been able to do it, which Dookie brings me to this point. We can all be patient in a rebuild, and I think fans need to be patient in a rebuild, but you can't keep telling us that we're building and we have great pieces and everything's going to be okay because the reality is we have no idea if anything's going to be okay. This isn't a situation where you have a bunch of proven major leaguers and you've shown the capability to spend money to get proven major leaguers. You're hoping that guys that are too three years potentially down the road of being any kind of quality major leaguer are going to be okay. And that's a hard, hard sell the fans in this town. So, Will, you tweeted out their last, what is it, last in home runs, last in slugging percentage, no triples on the season, all those last stats. Last in doubles, last in slugging, last in OPS. And that, I that, mean, tweet, that tweet kind of caught fire a little bit, yes? Well, I think most other, you had, and back to Clay's point, I kind of, I like what you said about, you know, uh, there's no middle ground when it comes to the Marlins. You are either going to say, they suck, baseball sucks, this regime sucks, he's no better than Laurie or anybody else, and you're going to have the regime that says, you don't know what you're talking about, the group, I mean, that says, you don't know what you're talking about, this regime is totally different, they're going to, they're doing this the right way, they're the Astros, they're the Cubs, they're going to be that thing, and the reality is, guys, it's somewhere in the middle, we have no idea what this regime is. So, the reason that tweet caught fire, in my opinion, is it's a 162-game season. Ideally, and the Marlins may not believe this, and, and the teams may not believe this, but we would love to be sitting here talking about strategy, pennant race, 
decisions. Should he have stolen? Should he have not stolen? Should he have bunted? Should they have made... But they're not even close to that. So then the challenge is... They're 10 games back as we speak of first. They have nine wins on the season. Go and, ahead. I'm sorry. And so the challenge... By the way, you can continue to interrupt me with fun nuggets because that's that's actually kind of fun. But uh, literally, just jump in if you have any any nuggets. But I see, that's the thing. Like We have 162 games. This is what's going to be happening between now and September unless somehow they get in the playoffs. Therefore, if you're going to be interesting like historically bad can become interesting at a certain point and so you know if this is rock bottom as you said and and there are brighter days ahead well there aren't darker days ahead right i mean you know when when the honest attendance figures right the marlins have started putting out honest attendance figures people are interested in that because when you hear that there are what 7800 people at a major league baseball game that's kind of interesting so you know Baseball is a game of statistics. It's always been a game of statistics. As much as we like a long hitting streak, a long slump is just as interesting. And and so and so. When Giancarlo was in that slump where he struck out like a. How about Chris Davis this year? Right, Chris. What do you go? Oh for fifty, and it became a thing. Oh for fifty-seven. Thank you. It became a thing, and so you know when you're looking at the Miami Marlins, and you know audience, put yourself in our shoes. This is what's going on in the town. How are you supposed to make them interesting, other than to sort of use their numbers and go, wow, this team is historically bad, and that is kind of interesting in its own perverse kind of way. It's not that we take personal delight in it. It's just how do you take a team that is performing like this and on a day-to-day basis tell a compelling story about them other than to just look at their numbers and go, wow, that team is and they, um, I, shockingly and interestingly bad. That's why I can't, you know, I've got this one thing I get a lot on social media. Clay, I'm sure you get it too. It's like, oh, you know, people are too hard on the Marlins. The media is too hard on the Marlins. You guys make light of the fact that they're terrible. You point out the ways that they're terrible. First of all, part of our job is, hey, look, if, if the Marlins were first in home runs, doubles, triples, slugging, I would be tweeting that too. This isn't a pick on the Marlins because they're terrible. But I think what people have to understand is we have to show the facts. We can't tell stories and promote newscasts and and sports shows telling you, hey, Isan Diaz in double A had two hits today and an RBI. Monte Harrison looks like he's playing well. Oh, by the way, the Marlins lost three to one. You know, it's in 10 innings. I mean, the major league team. Our job is to cover the major league team. I mean, we can't sit there and say they lost again. They're nine and twenty-four, whatever it may be. When you listen to this podcast, but there's hope on the way. We—that's just not our job. We have to point what there is. Someone said to me via social media, via Twitter, like, "Well, you know, you guys are stupid if you think that you're just going to judge this on the this franchise on the major league team." I mean, that's what we do. You judge the major league team is all that matters. Yes, having a farm system is important, but in the end, you are judged. You're not at the end of the year. They don't hand out World Series trophies for the best minor league systems. It's about winning at the major league level. I hope one day those minor leagues become stars, Clay. But I can't sell someone on some on something I don't know. Well, what I think is ridiculous, and uh, take you guys behind the curtain because we like to do this. Uh, we've been taken to task by people 
for what we've said about the Marlins, when in reality we have been a, a lot more supportive of the rebuild and from the beginning of what Derek Jeter was doing as far as the trades. Now, we also said at the time, ultimately it's going to be judged by what the talent is that you get in return. And unfortunately right now, Lewis Brinson is struggling. Christian Yelich has become arguably uh, one of the top two or three players in all of baseball. And so those trades right now look bad, but even at the time, we said we're not going to play the result here. Ultimately, these are going to be judged by the talent they got in return, but in the moment, hey, the idea was right. I feel like we have been more than fair, yet we have been called out onto the carpet for certain things that I thought was unfair. We do not work for the Miami Marlins. Amen. We do not work yeah. for the oh, team. 100%. And look, it is not our job to go and, and, and videotape minor league players that may or may not pan out one day. We would love it if Sixto Sanchez comes to the major leagues and turns out to be the next ace. If if Victor Victor Mesa turns out to be an absolute superstar. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. We love that Listen, to happen. we were there when Victor Victor signed his brother signed. We love that. It was uh, fun. Yes. I mean, you were all over it. I and mean, He's hey, still two years away, three years away from seeing these guys be full-time major leaguers. As he's still tweeting as- about it? Probably still. But as, guys, as far as our audience goes, and, and I, I again. What they, audience? They're gone. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Mom Dude, and Dad. if you're 24 minutes into a Marlins podcast, I'd like to say. Um, Thank you. Mindy, I, I took the garbage out already. You don't have to worry about it. Mom and Dad have gone to sleep. Yeah. That People will listen to this podcast because they are either A, diehard Marlins fans, B, they are related to us, or C, they, they love wanna, us. They want to hear about mm-hmm. Jeter. And and yeah. look, well, it, we're not Jeter's doing a, a talker. Jeter is a talker. It, that's no that's about it. But the problem right now is that is the only thing that is talker ish about this team. Well, and there is point, nothing. Did, did else. you mention the Deadspin article? Or was it Dookie? I did. Dookie. Well, did. I mean, the point is, it's been mentioned on this podcast, right? And there are a lot of. To me, I don't like piling on. Like you guys know how I feel. You, I know how you feel. I think people who know us well enough. When I say know us, either watch us on air or follow us or listen to us on the pod, know the way we feel about the Marlins rebuild process. I think organizations, I think look, Deadspin, other other journalists, other websites probably pile on because it's Derek Jeter. In New York Post, when they can get a, a, a headline on Jeter that makes them look back, they're going to do it. And I get it because it sells, it gets clicks. I get it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Derek Jeter is going to fail miserably. But I can tell you that I don't think Derek Jeter's first year on the job has been a good one. I don't. I I think that doesn't mean he's not going to get good at it. I think you see all the time coaches, front office people, personnel get better and learn, as Clay mentioned, from mistakes. But I don't think, and in talking to Derek Jeter and hearing him talk, I still don't think he has a firm grasp of how difficult this job is in this market to not only sell the team from a business standpoint, and we already saw what happened with Chip Bowers. He didn't see that coming either. But from a baseball standpoint, a marketing standpoint, an experience standpoint, I really don't think when Derek Jeter talks about we know the history of this community, you know, Derek, I, I don't think you really know the history well, of, of how and, difficult it is. Here. And let me ask you this, because I, uh, you've had a, a, a lot of a lot of discussions with the Marlins inside the organization. So I want to know this. Do you think he is learning from the mistakes? Do you think that he is learning? Because I can tell you this. What he puts out there publicly, it doesn't appear as though he is learning as far as his mistakes that he's made in dealing with the media, in answering questions publicly. I mean, he went on Real Sports with Bryant Cumble and and came off as abrasive, and and I don't think and and he got ripped nationally for it, and I don't think he's learned anything from that. Either that or he doesn't care. And and look, if he doesn't care, he doesn't need to be nice to us. I'm not asking for him to be nice to us, but when you come out and you say when you get here. 
hey, we're going to be transparent. I'm going to make mistakes along the way. But then when you jump down people's throats, when they when they question you on things that go, it's just there's a there, there's a, a a dichotomy there. It seems a false understanding that yeah. there seems to be lip service instead of actually learning from the mistakes from my, from my perspective. No, and it's fair. And here's what I think. And this is not and this is not a fact. This is an opinion. I really think that Derek Jeter is looking at the situation. He's setting up everybody else for failure except himself. I think he's giving himself a one or two year buffer with the Chip Bowers. Michael Hill will be eventually next. Don Manley will eventually be gone too. All these guys are gone. They, they had they certainly stand no chance. And part of me thinks that Chip never had a chance. That this was about Chip coming in as kind of a splash and making making some moves. Hopefully, turn things in a good direction. But he could easily be the fall guy. The guy who won't be the fall guy is Derek Jeter because Derek Jeter can always say, "Well, we, now it's time to move on to this." To me, it's Derek Jeter and Gary Dembo, and that's it. Gary Dembo is making all the baseball decisions. There's no doubt in my mind that he is the one, that Michael Hill is not making the baseball decisions. Gary Dembo is the one who's making the baseball decisions. Mike Hill gives his take. Mike Hill makes some calls. Gary Dembo runs the baseball side of things. And whether you're Chip Bowers or Skip Bowers or Clip Bowers, whatever, whoever they could bring in. I think I've they, supered him, Skip yeah, Bowers. Whatever, whoever they want to bring in, Derek Jeter is handling the business side of things. And they will make their way through everyone that stands in their way. And in a couple of years, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be nobody left to blame except Derek Jeter and Gary Dembo. That is, I think, where the you-know-what hits the fan. If they're good by then, and they've made strides in the system and in the major league team by then, then they could look at us and say, we told you so. And you know what we're going to have to say to them? You were right. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, they have no one left to blame but themselves because they will have gone through everybody who was in the way that could take the blame as the fall guys during this rebuild. Do you guys remember the uh, Charlotte Hornets uh, championship parade last year? It was great. Well, year, the year before? The year before? Mm-hmm. Wait, I, but Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. Why, why can't he be the greatest owner of all time? Because mm-hmm. one thing does not necessarily lead to another. And, you know, trust me, as someone who loved Derek Jeter, the player, I think part of, you know, we asked, did he learn? Did he grow? I think part of what made Derek Jeter a great player is what's making him struggle early on as a CEO. As a player, Derek Jeter always waited to hit his pitch. He had his routine. Yep. He would go the other way. He 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 was, his greatest talent as a baseball player was always staying the same, regardless of the moment. Whether it was spring training or the seventh game of the World Series, Derek Jeter always brought the same effort, intensity. He, he, was, he had a fixed sort of way about him. He would not go after a pitch that wasn't his own. Well, as an owner, it doesn't work like that. As a CEO, it doesn't work like that. You can't always hit your pitch. Sometimes stuff happens outside of the purview of your control. And sometimes you got to break with your routine. And so sometimes you got to adjust. You got to change. Now, look, as a ball player, if you look at Jeter early in his career in the minor leagues, he made, I think, 56 errors one season. He was horrendous. And all of a sudden, he figured it out, got to the big league level. Rookie of the year, or, you know, on and I'm on and on. I'm not ready to bury him. And, and, to and, bury so, him. and so, as a, as a ball player, I think, you know, he's going to be going to the Hall of Fame next year. He may go in unanimously. As a ball player, he showed an ability to grow. Maybe that's going to happen. I, I wouldn't abandon hope on him. But he I was surrounding himself with. I mean, Gary Dembo. These guys, some of these names that mentioned, yeah. they're not bad people. And so, no. surrounding himself with bad people in baseball. But so far, and and you know, it's funny because I tweet what I tweeted after he spoke 
about the firing of Chip Bowers was I was disappointed in Jeter because this was not basically because this was an opportunity for him to be transparent and he gave us platitudes. He gave us nothing. And of all people, actually, my mom said to me, I was telling my mother about it, and she said, why are you picking on Jeter? And I said, I'm not picking it. She's like, you love Jeter. Why are you picking on Jeter? And I said, it has nothing to do with Derek Jeter. That, like, and, and Jeter and everyone around Jeter has to understand, the, the way he conducts himself moving forward has nothing to do with him, the ball player. Him, the ball player. Derek Jeter, the oh, ball that, player. That ship is sailed. Derek Jeter, the ball player, is going to Cooperstown. Yeah. He's got his plaque in Monument Park. Nobody's wearing number two. He's one of the all-time great Yankees, and nobody can say anything about that. But Derek Jeter, the CEO, has been on the job for about a year and a half. The Marlins have a horrendous major league team. To his credit, their minor league team, according to Baseball America and the all the publication, the, the system is improving. And public relations-wise, there's like 10,000 people at the ballpark. Hasn't worked yet. Whether they change the colors of the uniform, whether they change the, the, the theme nights that they have, whatever they're doing so far, if you would say has have the Miami Marlins caught fire in the community, I would say that's a big no. And so, and, and that a lot of that'll and, fall on Jeter, and, fair or unfair. And and so, who who he can push in front of the bus to save himself? I don't know. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna respect his right to get better. Maybe he'll get better, but I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and tell you that he's doing a great job when so far the results have been bad. Well, the, the last thing as we wrap this up, Will, I want to go back to what Dookie said about I what another hour this. When, yeah, seriously, because mom and dad are gonna listen for the next hour. Um, Going back to as he improved as a player, and you're right in that he took the same approach as far as the amount of time and the amount of effort and and things along those lines, but he made adjustments. Right. I just and and in that case, the batting average, whatever the metric is that you want to yeah. use, will tell you you're not doing a good job. So clearly, right now, there are enough metrics to tell him that he's not doing a good job. In those cases, I'm sure he had, whether it was hitting coaches, Joe Torre, whoever it was that he trusted enough to sit down with him and tell him, this is what you're doing wrong. He needs somebody to tell him what he's doing wrong that he trusts. Amen. Because there's plenty of things that he's doing wrong right now. And if you only surround yourself with yes men as a CEO, you're not going to be able to fix those. So, yeah. I Will, I'm with you. I'm not going to bury him. I think he absolutely has the ability to be good at this job, but he's going to have to adjust as he did as a player, and he needs somebody close to him that's willing to tell him what he's doing wrong to fix it. And, and let's face it, too. Look, the first two big things. Last year, what was the storyline? Was was It was all about Lewis Brinson and mm -hmm. all about he's the next face. Fair or unfair to Lewis, and I should say it's unfair, the reality is it's just unfair to put those hopes on the kid. He he didn't pan out. Now, he could still be a major leaguer, but right now he's in the minors, and it doesn't look like he's going to be that future guy, that stud at least. Chip Bowers is the other storyline of being the guy that was, hey, we're going to set the marketing world on fire and with the way we're going to do things at the ballpark. Guess what? Chip Bowers is out of a job too. So his first two big kind of names from the baseball and business side are both now gone. You know, Brinson may be back, but I don't think many people are thinking he's going to be that 30-30 guy and that, that guy that could be a star at the major league level anymore, certainly not face of the franchise guy. So if any of that had panned out, if Lewis Brinson was in the majors now, if he had a 2020 season last year and was hitting 285 and he, there was some excitement, and you, we would this conversation would be totally different. But he flamed out. Chip Bowers flamed out from a marketing business standpoint. Now where are we? We're back to ground zero saying, well, you got to trust in Jeter. And I don't think anyone does right now. And he said, building that trust, 
But guess what? He, he built like 10 bricks and blocks and built his way up and the foundation cracked and it fell straight back down and they're picking up the pieces and starting over again where they are right now. By the way, one more notice of our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera kind of like Buick GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. The best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. All right, so let's wrap this up. Next time we have a Marlins discussion on the pod, we will be talking about what, Clay? Spring training? Fair. Either uh, Don Mattingly or Michael Hill being fired. I think uh, I think probably at the All-Star break we'll do something about how this team is the worst team in baseball. and And maybe we'll have... Look, all I could end on is this. Maybe Monte Harris, Harrison is, is ready midseason in the second half, and maybe he gets called up and shows some glimpses of being the guy that everybody thought Lewis Brinson was going to be. Um, maybe Kalo Smith keeps us up and has a 200-strikeout season, and he's he's an ace in the making, you know, and, and Sandy Alcantara and, and Pablo, you know, give you some good innings, even though they've been a little up and down this year. Man, that's, that's about all I got, though. Can I ask you one question? Is this team better – Worse or exactly as bad as you thought they'd be before the season? No, it's exactly as bad. I in my in preseason in my preseason preview in the spring training preview, I I said they lose 101 games. But can I tell you something? I think you guys know this. I wanted to say like 107 or 110 games, but I honestly didn't because I just didn't want to hear it from the Marlins fans who were going to say you're just a <laughs> hater and you suck and you just go. And the reality is, anyone that looked at this team and thought they were any better than a hundred lost team was probably really a homework homework really kidding themselves just the most massive homer you'll ever be well and in fairness you hear enough of you're a hater and you sucked when you walk into work every day every single day every single day it's it's the mantra in our sports department we love to tell each other we suck and that we're haters on that note that's the way you end the marlins podcast we really appreciate you listening to miami sports pod next week we'll talk about i don't know dolphins mo- rookie minicamp movies i don't know what else we got minicamp it is 